Welcome to Persisters, an all-female live show and podcast. Each episode showcases one artist. You'll hear their performance from our live show, followed by an interview with us, Beth Rowe and Alex Kern. Please listen and please subscribe. That was really dope. That's really cool. The whole time you were talking, um, I was just, I'm a comic, so my mind is, I was like, they called the cops on your mama. Your neighborhood was getting gentrified, huh? That's, I was like, that's what that, because, yeah, that, that's what happened right there, you know? I was having flashbacks right now. I feel like I'm in a gentrified neighborhood now. Like, the last, well, then two black people walked in. Thank you, brothers. I appreciate it. You know, whenever it's two or more black people, ain't going to be no shit, so... We're good. Somebody start the Facebook Live just in case. <laughs> just in case you know. Revolution will be televised. Or put on Facebook at least, right? Um, I'm feeling good today. It's been a good day. I love hearing your story. I just encourage y'all before I get into all these jokes and all of that, or not even jokes, my life. Uh, like when you get an opportunity to hire somebody, hire somebody that doesn't look like you. Hire somebody from another neighborhood, another opportunity to diversify your staff, because that's the way real change and you know the whole diversity is really just inclusion. Include people so that there's more than one people, you know, than just all like minds in the same room. Um, I grew up in a gentrified neighborhood. Oh, thank you. Oh, please, please, no, come on, please, please. Okay. <laughs> yeah, um, it's like I'm having flashbacks here. It's like I had a whole different set plan until I got up in here. And it's all good, you know? It's like, shoot, I'm always usually one of the few blacks in a room. It's all right, representing for the people and everything. And, you know, the last few years have been pretty interesting, right? So my former job, um, when uh, the guy in the White House right now was running, I had this friend that's from Houston, and he was, um, well, he, we, we always had a good time. Great, we would just have conversations. And unbeknownst to me, he had brought this fancy coffee machine into the break room. So I was excited. I was getting my little coffee and everything, only black girl in there. And then somebody screams out, well, you know, the person who brought that wants to make America great again. And I'm like, everybody looking at me because they always think that the one black person, like if one black person does something, all black people do something, it don't work like that. Just putting that out there, right? So <laughs> just, just putting it out there, right? So <laughs> people are looking at me like, ah, oh, what's she going to do? You can feel the eyes beaming. And I'm like, it's free coffee. I'm going to drink it, of course, right? Like, who passes up a free cup of coffee? I just didn't put anything white in it. No sugar, no cream, no vanilla powder. <laughs> it's like, you bumping at me, you're going to have some black on you today. That's what's going to happen, whatever. But it's good. I don't, you know, I, I, politics, they're interesting, but it, you know, and it does affect your day-to-day -day life more on a local level than on a national level. Um, when uh, the guy in the White House got elected and people were freaking out, I was just like, welcome to our world. <laughs> We've been living like this forever in America. It's all good, though. Um, what's interesting is, um, you know how I'm saying, like, sometimes people think that you see one black person do something, other black people, like, we got, like, I got to respond for that. Like, I've literally, growing up in a pretty white neighborhood, had classmates ask me, why did Tupac and Biggie get shot? I'm like, motherfucker, I live here with you. I don't know. We're in Houston. I'm not from Compton. I don't know what's going on. Um, <laughs> I wonder, do y'all ever feel like that? Like, when your homegirl, Rachel Dolezal, was passing to be black? For those who don't know, Rachel Dolezal is a white woman who was born white who actually tried to pass to be black. 
First of all, I said, how do you mess up being white? In America, like, where did you go wrong where you was like, you know what? I'm gonna play this light skin card and I'm gonna take it all the way to the top. And like, what's so offensive is that Rachel couldn't even be just like regular, like black. She wanted to go run the NAACP. And like, that's how she got caught, which I'm like, come on, man. Well, let me tell you, you can't just pass for black by yourself running the NAACP. She had some help, because first of all, she like does all like the black hairstyles and everything, you know? And I'm like, nobody can like feel the texture of your scalp. Like the roots don't lie. You can tell that there's one drop in there. She's been around all these black people for all these years. I know she went to a barbecue or two. Ain't nobody taste the potato salad? That gives it away right there. Um, I, you know, growing up in the South, which is so interesting when I, like I'm spring cleaning these old jokes. I haven't done this in a long time, just talking about this. Cause the day of the election in 2016, I was actually flying from LA to Texas. So you could just feel the tension in the air. Like, even though Houston is blue, Texas obviously is red. And um, luckily I had enough drink tickets uh, for the flight. <laughs> I was looking like, say something, somebody say something. <laughs> Just don't even say anything, right? <laughs> but what's so interesting to me, especially like the neighborhood we grew up in and everything, like um, all like the parents are racist, but all of their daughters want to sleep with my brother. <laughs> and he's sleeping with them. <laughs> Been sleeping with them. He made me so proud the other day, he was like, I tell you, but I'm a married black though. I was like, that's what I'm talking about. So we have our own little mission. We're gonna make America brown again, one white woman at a time. It's all good. <laughs> I was like, that's some savage. That's savage right there. I don't even be tripping. I don't care. Love is love. I'm actually officiating my first wedding in Texas next week. I'm excited. Yeah, it's an interracial uh, couple too. One of my homegirls, and I'm I'm just so happy for them because love is love. I don't care. I just always think it's funny because we all want the same thing, right? We want love, be able to buy anything you want to walk, you know, when you go into the store and to be able to eat carbs and not gain weight. <laughs> That's it, simple things, simple things. I'm actually down like 100 pounds right now. Thank you very much, thank you very much. It was the same 25 pounds four times. <laughs> so. I just focus on the positives. That's what I've been spring cleaning are my thoughts, really, you know, because uh, um, I'm a strong black woman, but I also deal with depression. And that's crazy. Oh, shout out to depression, is that what it is? All right, all right. You see, this is, see now I do feel comfortable here, because when, when I tell black folks I deal with depression, they be like, girl, you all right, you, you good. <laughs> and then I'm actually Nigerian, so my mom was like, what is that? You are. <laughs> What is going on? And she's actually a nurse. I'm like, you're a medical professional. <laughs> well, she's like, you know, she survived wars and stuff. She was like, girl, you will be all right. It's okay. Like, uh. But it was so hard for me to accept that I, I, I had even depression. I, I, I finally came to the conclusion, you know what, you might be depressed when a new Beyonce song came out and I didn't get excited. <laughs> I was like, oh, something is wrong. 
the Queen Beyonce can fix anything. And it was like, oh my gosh. So, you know, I was doing my little Tony Robbins and all this stuff. And I'm like, that, 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 that's cool. I love Tony Robbins. I love all self-help stuff. But you really want to feel better, listen to some trap music, okay? <laughs> like, listening to some, like, some trap. Like, you just start like, oh, I'm going to get it every day. All my affirmations got curse words in it. <laughs> Shoot. I'll be looking in the mirror like, bitch, I'm going to tell you what. <laughs> What? How much time I got? I don't even know. I wasn't even counting. Oh, okay, cool. Great, wonderful. This is the uh, compliments of affirmative action. Thank you very much. I will, I will take it. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm like, wow, what up? What's up? What's up? What's going on with that? Um, um, not only am I officiating a wedding in Houston, I'm actually engaged. Thank you. Thank you. You can tell a lot about people when you tell them you're engaged, where they are in their relationship. So I see there's a lot of happy in love people here. It's a couple that I won't point out that are like, girl, when is it gonna happen for me though? <laughs> I can feel that energy from one side of the room over here. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> the thing is like, um, sisters get really excited because I'm like, I met him here and he's black. And they're like so shy, like, cause I never see black men with black women in LA. Like that's the hard, they're like, how in the hell did you do that? And I'm like, I don't know, but I know I'm gonna make it though. If I can figure that out in LA, <laughs> shoot, it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. And if anybody in the room can help that happen, I am available and uh, let's talk uh, as well. Um, now Boo and I, we're opposites, of course, like, which I'm like, he's gonna keep me alive longer cause he's one of those guys that wakes up, goes hiking in the morning, all that, I'm like, all right, cool, he actually suggested we go hiking on the first date. And I was like, where they do that at? Like, <laughs> I'm from Houston, the only time I'm gonna break a sweat on the first date is if I decide to give you some in a car afterwards, you know? <laughs> Better chance that's gonna happen if you feed me first. <laughs> right, you know? Um, we're really good, oh, there we go, yeah. Um, you know, the only thing that we like, well, I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're human, so we have our little issues and stuff like that, so the only, um, um, arguments that we'll get into is like, you know, men, I love y'all, but just because you're the man doesn't mean you can eat more. <laughs> Especially when we go on 50-50 on these groceries, you know what I'm saying? Like, so one day he told me, like, no, for real, like, that independent one, we gonna go 50-50, like, I need my half, if it takes me three days, and it took you one day to eat yours, don't come for my stuff, right? <laughs> don't come, this is not yours, boundaries. So one day, <laughs> he told me I had four beef ribs when I, um, waiting for me. I came home, there were three. I was like, oh man. So I'm doing a question and answer, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm like, you know, I understand biblically, you're my Adam, I'm your Eve, so I come from your rib. But you just can't take that back once you get the munchies. You know, what part of the game is that, right? So our kitchen turns into the Hunger Games. That night ended badly. Um, he went to sleep on the couch, I went to sleep in the bed, and. That's when I realized I went to sleep without two pieces of meat. It's like, anyway. Anyway, my name is Nate. It's a pleasure um, talking with you guys. Hi. Hi, welcome back to Persisters. I'm Beth Rowe. And I'm Alex Kern. Alex, how are you? I'm great. How yeah. are you? I'm great. And because we're here with a special guest. Yes, we are. Today, we're here with Nate Inyanumia. Ooh. Perfect. And I'm great because I'm with two great ladies. So it's all great. Thank you. Oh my God. Everything's great. The sun is shining. Yes. It's spring in LA now. Yes. It feels Mm -hmm. so good. I need the sun. I need every last bit of the sun. Let there be light. (laughs) 
Yeah. You came here from Houston, Texas. Yes. When did you move out here? Oh my gosh, it's gonna be seven years in July on my birthday. Oh, cool. Was when I came. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. when I finally made that that leap because I used to come to LA like every year. Um, for almost like 10 or 12 years, because I was always doing like some work stuff out here that oh, I had cool. a boutique in Houston, but I would go shopping in the alley out here. So I would always come to LA. One of my good college friends was out here. She'd be like, girl, you need to move here. And I've always wanted to live here. Always wow. wanted to live in LA. Yeah. And now I'm here. Seven years later. Congrats. Yeah. What's wow. the alley? Oh, the Santee Alley downtown, girl. Tell me is everything. That like a, not that's a boutique or is it more of a fabric? It's like a it's a marketplace. Like this yeah. called the Santee Alleys. And a lot of boutiques around the country, the world, will go here and shop there and like get different um outfits and then do private labeling. And so when you go to some of these boutiques, like in you know, other cities and stuff, uh-huh. it can be their boutique label. But they got it from the alley wow. and you do a lot of wholesale buying from say. there. So yeah, like when when I went, you know, I had to buy like four sizes. You know, I had a plus size boutique. So it was like I only went oh, to the plus amazing. size stores and everything. Like that was before everything started coming up. Like the plus size clothing game now is way better. Wait, that but, is yeah. so that's interesting. Amazing. I actually was just talking to somebody about how um about I've been talking yes. actually to a lot of people about, yes. about plus size clothing. And w- this woman that I met said that there's like she only has like she only uses one brand of underwear for and the, oh. and it's also like terrible. Really? Well, yeah. you know, my brand of underwear is from Ross, Dress for Less, whatever's yeah. on sale. Oh yeah. Usually they have some Delta Burke in there. I try to find the cutest stuff. Oh my God. Delta Burke. Delta Burke. The first time I said, I said, is that Delta from Designing Women? Oh, let me go ahead and support her. What you doing, Delta? You know, you go. I go through the Google whole thing. Like, yeah, yeah. I can't remember what happened, but wow. um, you know, I actually find a lot of cute stuff. I I shop everywhere. That's what has always been my thing, being plus size. Because I mean, just in regular sizing, nothing is standard. No, I mean, no. and it's so it's so like I think it's designed so we will have to go to therapy. It's like, <laughs> yeah. really, like this this don't make sense. Can we get on one accord? Can we just like this is the standard? Oh my gosh, of what is gonna? It's I'll, so ridiculous. I'll try on some of my mom's clothes from. She's saved everything, by the way. But like anything nice. that her, like a blazer that her mother had or her like aunt had, and they are tiny and they're size sixes and I'm like what is this Uh those sizes were also different back then too and I think also because it was less common for women to like work out and there were no preservatives all these things it's a lot of factors a lot of changes I was trying on wedding dresses and they were like oh all the dresses are bigger than what your normal size would be I was like any other dress do that with (laughs) girl (laughs) wedding because I'm trying on wedding dresses now too girl Where have, you, where have you been? Well, okay, I found my dress, so I've said yes to the dress. Oh, um, great. And it's a cool story with that, but it started off bad because I was in Houston, um, you know, so, I, like, I have six bridesmaids because it took six women to help me get married. Like, you know, you have to talk to your girlfriends over the years oh, yeah, and sure. be like, how are we going to keep this relationship together, blah, blah, blah. Right, right. So five of them are in Houston, so then my mom, we went to this couture place. I called. I asked, do y'all have this? This is my size, you know, and I need, which I'm not going to throw out there right now, you know, but grown. Full figure, beautiful. They said, sure, yeah, we have it. We come in there. They have two sizes below my size. And then tell me, dresses go up four. So then the lady's trying to squeeze me into stuff. I I, I wrote them a nice, like, this is not cool. No. This is not cool. Like, and it, this is a horrible experience. Yeah. My friends are waiting for me. Everybody kind of knows what you figure out what's going on. I'm not embarrassed because I'm with, you know, you with your crew. Right. And it's like, 
for all of us, we're like, this is just bullshit. So she did say that because of me, she ordered bigger sizes because she realized, like, you are wasting everybody's time here. Yeah, and also, like, you are wasting an opportunity to make a ton of money. Hell yeah. But also, I, I was reading something that there's the, something about a tax on plus-size wedding dresses, on that they're more expensive than... What? Really? I saw that. Um, I haven't had that issue because I'm like, I think I'm a magnet to discounts and on sale. Like, Same. Uh, yeah, I'm just a magnet to like, I want the nicest thing at the most affordable price. It's almost like a game for me and everything. Yeah. And what's interesting is, so I can tell you my wedding story dress, yes, my wedding dress please. story real quick. So my boutique in Houston that was plus size was called Strut. Because I, I wanted, you know, the ladies to not, you know, just to be able to strut. You feel good about your clothes. So it was strut style without limits, you know? That's how we had to get it because, you know, strut was taken, blah, blah, blah. The plus size boutique I found my dress at is called Strut Bridal Boutique in Long Beach. The really? LBC. It was meant the, to be. It, it was meant to be, but then it even got better. So if you haven't found your dress yet. So I, you know, I was like, I still got to check places. You know, they always try to get you to buy it the day of. They'll give you a little discount. They called me, try to give me more discount for the sample because it was going to go on sale. I was like, I don't know. Went to this other plus size boutique out here in um, like the Valley that was very nice and lovely. And I was like, this is the dress to beat. They ended up telling me the maker of the dress uh, from the Strut Bridal Boutique, who I really wanted to support. I find it online bestbridalprices.com instead of $16.99 with a free veil and a free pair of shoes what I said boy if you look at God or the universe or whatever we believe in just like do the research just do the research in 30 minutes I found it yeah $1,300 for a used dress that everybody else energy been on and so I was trying to you know I mean it's just no, like not for the. I need I need clear energy. Sage the dress out and stuff. And I was like a thousand for a new dress yeah. and a free veil. Okay, I mean, gotta look out. You gotta take care of self. Work when it. are you getting married? October twelfth. That's when we're getting Why? married. Yay! Oh, wedding That's day, so sisters. Cool. I'm at another couple in yeah. a transformation camp that I'm in right now, my workout camp. Um, is it at the camp? There's several of them around, like, like and you lose 20 pounds in six weeks yes. or whatever. There's I'm so like, many. Yes, I'm going through that right now, too. And there's a couple there that they're getting married on October 12th as well. That's why they're there oh, together. Are you but getting yeah. married in Houston or here? Oh, here. here? In, oh. in Reseda. In Reseda, you know, because then you invite all. Okay. <clears throat> You invite That's all so your friends. Great. Yeah, in the Valley, invite everybody. Everybody's not going to buy a plane ticket, but what they will do is send you some money. And so there you just only register for the the newlywed fund. Is it okay that people hear this? Oh, yeah, it's great. Okay, they great. know me. Okay. My friends, they know me. They be like, hey, you know we ain't going to spend $300 on a ticket and a, you know, At whatever. Least. I go to Houston all the time. Yeah. Every homecoming for college and all that. I go all the time. So I'm like, we can kick it there. I don't care. I just want to have a good, fun time. And my fiance and I met here in LA. Yeah. So that's why we chose LA because he's from Maryland. Got it. What does he do? Oh, of course, actor, voiceover, a chef. I got got a man named Cook. Adrian, my boo. Boo love, my boo king. How did you guys meet? At an open mic. (gasps) (laughs) I've never heard of a relationship at an open mic. 
I love that. Yes, six months after I moved to LA, before I could even get like in these LA dating streets, mm. and well, okay, maybe I, I'm, I was lucky. Oh, girl, <laughs> like, no. yeah. You, you met him before you moved here. No, I met him when I, oh, when right, I moved when here, months. six yeah. months yeah. in. Oh, I thought you said six months before. I'm oh, sorry. no, 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 before I can. Oh, yeah, I was like six months and I couldn't even get into the dating streets. I was trying to say something oh. fancy and probably like lost in translation. But um, actually, <laughs> um, here in more in Echo Park at Rafa's art gallery there's there used to be an open mic there it's on sunset like almost like a few blocks from echo park there used to be an open mic on friday nights so i was going to do stand-up he was there going to do poetry and what's interesting is two of our best friends know each other and i mean they didn't hook us up or anything it was a rainy night (laughs) it really was and i was like this is bullshit that morning my car had got hit on the side of the road i was so annoyed you know it was a drive-off but the apartment complex next to my homegirl's house whose couch I was sleeping on that I had to buy the futon. It was, you know, LA, right? Um, Their their video camera caught the person. So my insurance took care of all of it. I was like, I'm just tired. I just want to wash my hair and stay home. She's like, girl, let's go out. Let's let's go get a mic in. Went and got that mic in, met him while I was on stage. He was on the front row. Um, He wasn't really laughing as hard as I would have liked him to, which we still talk about. (laughs) He's like, he was laughing on the inside. I was like, well, I need, you know, audible laughter. Um, But then after he performed, he, he ended like, I performed first. I don't know. There was some people in between. He performed. I go back out there to check him out because I went to the bar. (laughs) And he's like super serious, deep voice, everything. He talks like that. I was like, yeah, but it's Friday night. I need something less introspective. (laughs) So I went back to the bar. I was like, okay, he cute. And he's real poetry, not spoken word. Like things, rhymes, or stanzas because I'm I'm on the fence with spoken word. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, and we together now. I love him. Yeah. Yeah. We got together. Yeah. How long have you guys been together? Uh, Six and a half years now. Yep, I'll be here seven in July. So yeah, six times we became official. Like we met that December. Uh, We didn't really talk on the phone for like a couple weeks. And uh, I remember like I had called him, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I'm working." And then he was like, "I'll call you back." And then three days had passed, and I hadn't, you know, heard from him. And so I was in Houston going to a wedding, one of my line sisters' weddings. And my homegirl was like, my girl Vernique, one of my bridesmaids. I was like, girl, you know, I met this dude. He's so cute. And he said he's going to call me back. He was working, but he hasn't called me back yet. She said, well, what do you want to text him? I said, I want to text him. Are you still at work? And she said, well, do that. And I text him. He called me immediately. I was like, all right. And so when we got back, and when I got back in town, we finally started, you know, hanging out and everything. And I'm totally into the the woman doing the... Yeah, pers- persisting. Oh yeah, I love the name right. of this podcast, Persisters. Oh, the whole show. I was like, per- like you know, it's like I didn't at first. It just took me a second. I think I was, you know, I think that's on my medicinal. <laughs> I was like, oh, persisters. I was like, why were you struggling with that? I loved it because I saw sisters. I, I love. I just love yeah. the the whole meaning of it. So yeah. you've been doing comedy for six and a half years. About eight, okay. technically. So you were I started, doing it in Houston before you Yeah, I started here. like a year before, but in Houston at that time, there wasn't a huge scene. I was a radio personality. And so I did- Full stop. Yes. Okay. A radio personality? Yeah. Did you do that right out of college? I started in college. <gasps> How yeah. fun. Yeah, I started in college. Yeah, it's been it's been an interesting journey to get right here. I started in college. Um, I started college at University of Houston, go Cougs, as a uh, theater major- Right. I'm Nigerian, so by my second year, I was a finance major because my parents were like, oh, what are you going to, what are you going to do with that? You know, <laughs> what is the problem? Net day, you get something that is dependable. The you know? Yeah, yeah they is, are. Like, the uh, yeah, they will kill your self-esteem. Like, no, just get something that you need. 
Um, <laughs> so I was like, I mean, anything else I would study is money because I'm Nigerian and we like yeah. money, right? So I was like, okay, I'll do finance. Was in the finance world, worked oil and gas internships, made more money as an oil and gas intern at Shell than jobs out here pay now. Oh, like sure. that's wow. right. But right before they were going to offer me wow. a full-time um, job when I was graduating, um, there was this audition that I heard, because I always listen to the morning show, riding into work, and they were looking for their next diva for a day. I was like, oh, I can do that. Like, I always, you know, like, I was still doing, like, I had started writing, like, poetry or doing, like, essays and oratorical contests and stuff in college, and I wanted to get into entertainment some kind of way. Um, so I showed up at that audition. I thought it was going to be, like, packed because it was, like, this new mall that had just opened up. Let's just say from where my parents live, it was almost like a 45-minute drive. Well, in Houston, that's, like, about 60 to 70 miles away. In L.A., that's, like, five miles, you know? Right. So I was like, but it was at 5 in the morning. I was like, oh, I'm going to go. My other bridesmaid. An audition at 5 in the morning? Yeah, because it was for a morning show. And they wanted right. you to come in and hang want, out on the morning show to see how sense. you fit in. Right. So I just knew it was going to be packed. My One of my other bridesmaids, Janelle, J. Real, um, was like, girl, I'm going to call you and make sure that you up in the morning. I was like, girl, you ain't got to. Da, da, da. She called me. Make sure girl you headed out there yep went out there I bonded with the, the guys and I mean it took probably about three or four months of just like you know hitting them up hitting them up then I became an intern and then probably like two three years after that you know I was like part-time you know it was it was a journey but then I became the morning show co-host so I was there for like 12 years. What was the name of the show? It was the Mad Hatter Morning Show. And what would you guys talk about? Oh everything hip-hop um you know, current events, news. I did the entertainment news because you know how it is. I mean, there was five guys and me, so I'm in therapy right now. Get so, you know, one <laughs> one girl for five guys. And mm. so, you know, it was interesting. It was a lot yeah. of fun. And, you know, your 20s, you know, on radio in your hometown, that was cool. A lot of clubs, a lot of partying, a lot of cool experiences, mm -hmm. um, but just a lot. <laughs> That's so I can imagine. A lot yeah. mentally. So what time right. would you have to get to work every day? 4.30. Wow. And I would get there 4.30, sometimes 4.45, pushing it. And I still did clubs because I was in my 20s. And I had just joined a sorority. I was like, You still did oh, yeah. oh like oh, went out went, to went clubs. To clubs. Okay. Went out to clubs, but then you would get paid to host clubs, which also pays way more than like what I make like there. Oh, yeah, okay, promote it. Yeah. But then also like be there at the club. You might call in. Like a like, celebrity. Okay. You are okay. A celebrity. Yeah, I mean, you celebrity. are. Okay. <laughs> Did Beyonce ever call him? Oh yeah, I've interviewed Beyonce before oh, too. Why? Yeah, it's Houston. Full stop. H Town, of course. Tell We've interviewed us Beyonce. Everything. I mean, she's just so nice and kind, and but that whole like, you know how like she comes off shy and stuff. At least back yeah. then, you know what I mean. She's she was reserved and just you know focused, but just nice speaks to every single person and everything. But not more of like a you know like comedians and stuff are more like, like I always got along with every comedian that came in there. Just yeah, just more like hey hey hey, what's going on? You sizing everybody up and everything. They're just focused as hell. Wow, very focused. Like focus. I mean, did y'all just see the homecoming Coachella special on? Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. It's Treat so yourself. good, mm -hmm. so good. It just makes you like examine yourself again and say, now what am I doing? You know? Oh. Oh, my gosh. I mean, Self-examination is in this? I need to watch it. I mean, it. anytime there's Beyonce. Because her, her level of focus, but being that focus from so young and having your parents put everything on you and, you know. This her girl's... level of perfectionism is outstanding. And she's, like, very real about when, like, when she puts on that costume and she's, like, about to cry or yeah. she cries a little. And she's just, like, because you see her at the beginning, like, having just given birth to twins and, like, learning mm -hmm. these. And, like, she can only do so much. 
And then she changed, like, at the end, she's like, I'm, I'm only eating fruits and vegetables. Yeah. And, like, I'm eating a vegan diet, no sugar. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, oh, no, because it hurt every time. She's, no sugar, no meat, no alcohol. I was like, ugh. It was like a dark. Did she even every say time. like no fish or something? Yeah, or no she, fish. She no didn't say fish. no fish. It's like I was like, wow. Her level of discipline is yeah, somebody on Twitter. Oh, Twitter is so funny. Have you ever been on Black Twitter? Y'all gotta go to Black Twitter. It's just, <laughs> it's so go. stupid. Like they're just, they're so funny and ignorant. But somebody was like, you mean to tell me Beyonce got ready for Coachella on pure spirit alone because she ain't had no damn food in her? <laughs> I was like, you know what? You're right. Like that was a spiritual experience so to be able to funny. do all of that like with no food because she was like, basically, I'm hungry. Yeah, Beth and I have talked about that, how certain celebrities are probably very unpleasant to be around because they're starving all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah I can imagine. I'm not fun when I'm starving. No, me yet. neither. I can't think. Mm-mm. I can't think. But I do do better when I, you know, I do notice a difference when you're eating, you know, healthfully and not putting all the trash in. Like, it is a difference mentally. It really is. And as, and, and um, the more I mature and become seasoned, I can. it really affects me. So yeah. I'm like, okay, like the stuff thing, tastes good. but For me, it's like drinking more water changes my entire day, which yeah. is annoying. Yeah, I mean, because you're always running to the ladies' room, but you feel good. Like my skin will look good. Like, you know, all of the benefits, because now like I'm doing that transformation camp, mm-hmm. like you do a gallon of water a day. But honestly, yeah. or almost a gallon, because my mom's like a nurse. She's like, everybody does not need a gallon of water. She's like, you know, but you need a lot. Like when I do, yeah. when I'm hydrated, I know as we sip right now, let me sip with you. I just want y'all to hear that. <laughs> um, I do feel better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do. I, I mean, I do feel better. I might not hit the gallon, but definitely when I'm more mindful, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, okay. You were just talking about your mom, who's a nurse. Mm-hmm. How, when did they come? To, have they been in the U.S. for a while? Or? Oh, yeah, oh, okay. definitely. They came in the 70s, my dad and my mom. My dad um, was a medical technologist, and so was my mom. Well, actually, they came to, <laughs> they came to um, Utah because my dad had a scholarship to go to school. So I was born in Utah. <laughs> and so from Utah, they were like, my mom was getting sick all the time. And I was like, because y'all are in Utah, it's too damn cold. You came from Africa. That does not, like, you are not uh, biologically... Sure. made to deal with snow and in Utah in the winters. So they went south to Houston. Um, there, Houston is the second, well, actually, it's the largest population of Nigerians outside of Nigeria. Wow. Second number of um, population of Nigerians outside of Lagos, Nigeria. Now, do you think that's because of the weather? Hell yeah. Wow, that's so interesting. The weather, the cost of living, medical center. You know, we're all in, you know, for the most part, medicine and business. Oil and gas is big in Houston, and so is the medical field. Bam. And I've heard that it's a pretty vibrant community outside of Nigeria. Oh, yeah. and and, Well, you know, it is for some Nigerians. Like, my family, most Nigerians are either Igbo or Yoruba. That's, like, their group or tribe that people say. Um, Mine are Akwaibom. And, like, we speak a totally different language. There's so many different dialects and languages. So I have not met that many Akwaibom's, you know, they speak Efik, Efik-speaking Nigerians growing up. It's, like, few and far in between. They're, like, building a community in Houston now. So I'm, like, on their Instagram feed, like, hey, I'm I'm here too because I don't speak the language. You know, we lost that because there wasn't Nigerians around that us mm. that also spoke ethic. If I wanted to have Igbo or Yoruba, completely. But that's different in and of itself too. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> and my parents are like, you need to focus on your English. 
You know, like, sure. you came here, let's mm-hmm. succeed, you know? Do your parents still dress in traditional garb for certain occasions? Or? No, what's so okay. interesting, which it's funny, like, because they don't say garb, they say clothes, <laughs> which is so funny, you know, like, you know, because my mom, like, okay, so I've always wanted to be closer to Africa and just, you know, just know more about that, because I don't know what the hell happened there, but it stayed there. They don't like to talk about it, but Nigerians aren't known for being very emotional or talking a lot in general. And um, I took uh, my minor in college. My, you know, my major was finance. My minor was African studies because I was like, I want oh, to know cool. about the continent, you know, and everything. And I came home talking about garb. She was like, what's garb? What is garb? We wear clothes. And like, even then, <laughs> she, you know, they were wearing regular dresses and, you know, they're very modern. Like my cousins, thanks to Facebook and Instagram, we're all cool. My first cousins and stuff on there. They more American than us. Like, when I went to Nigeria back in 07, I thought I was going to come back, like, you know, oh, this is my land, my culture, this and that. Mm-hmm. They had better weaves than me. I was like, well, shit, okay. <laughs> How you put that in? You know, it's like American culture is pretty much the culture of the world. Like, of course, you have more traditional clothing and this and that, but, you know, European, <laughs> you're in what the Eurocentric view of the world, you know? Mm-hmm. It is what yeah. it is. I mean, they were colonized by the British. So, you know, they, mum, dad, you know. Yeah. Colonizers got them. <laughs> so how did you go from being, doing African studies and finance and radio uh, hosting to comedy? Well, I was, oh, I've always, like, okay. So my friend, Sunit, another bridesmaid, <laughs> um, <laughs> she's East African. We met in, in finance school, right? And, like, her last name is Eo, but her maiden last name, mine is Inyang Umia. We've never met other people whose last name started with an I. So we were like, what, what? You know, okay, we're good friends. We're bonded forever now. And um, I always wrote this list down of all the stuff that I ever wanted to do. Just, wow. like, it was on this yellow little notebook. I know it's somewhere. It's probably my mama's house somewhere. Because I just always, I had a lot of interest. And comedy was always on there. I always admire comedians because I was like, they speak truth. They speak their truth, their opinion, unapologetically. And I've always just admired that. And then on radio, um, I was comic relief. Then I was always the funny one in the group, you know, because I'm going to say what I want to say. Even trying to play a sorority, I got a different opinion. I just never had an issue with like, "Mm, I'm going to say what I got to say. So um, I had actually one um, Steve Harvey's executive producer, uh, Rushan McDonald. He's like, when you look at the credits on Family Feud and all that stuff and his show and all that, um, you'll see Rushon McDonald on there. He was the first one who was like, you really need to try stand-up because you're funny. You you have something to say, you know, and being around a whole bunch of guys and them always trying to gang up on you and you got to just be quick, you know? So that's where it kind of started. And then I was like, but I'm, you know, it's one thing when you have people to bounce off on versus like, oh, I'm here by myself. Mm-hmm. Y'all can see me. I'm on a stage, you know, but I've always liked live arts. Like I did theater all through high school as well. So um, Charlie Murphy, rest in peace. Uh, in 2011, he came and did the morning show. And that was about my second or third time, like interviewing him and interacting with him. And they were finally, cause I started saying it out loud more like, Hey, I want to do stand up, you know, and talking about it with the guys and just like this and that, and just starting to say it more. And he was like, man, if you serious, then come and do three minutes tonight. I was like, what? And like he said it on the radio. I'm like, ah, you know, it's you know, it's pressure if you're of performing course. on the radio and you're funny and that's your environment. It's like, okay, I'm gonna try stand up in front of people with an expectation of 
y'all gonna think I'm funny, you know? So I was nervous. I said, but no, I'm gonna come. And he was just like, I mean, he was, you know, he was like, he's blessed that his brother is Eddie Murphy. He gets so many opportunities. So he was like, if anybody ever wants to get on stage, of course, come on stage. I'm gonna let you get on stage. That's the least I can do, right? Pay Mm -hmm. for it. So the improv that night, 10 p.m. show, I went and did three minutes that I wrote for like seven hours during the day. I kept sending it to all my comic friends, like, help me, this and that. And and it went well. And I was like, oh, wow. They laughed. Okay. Do you cool. remember your set? Mm-hmm. Um, that's so funny. No, I don't. I don't. But I know I have a grainy video somewhere because that was still like the Blackberry days or the sidekick right. or something. Yeah. like, and, and then my friend, whoever taped it, did a horrible job. But, you know, <laughs> it's perfectly imperfect. We'll use that for later on. You know, like, oh, here it is. It's great. Your slideshow at your wedding. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Which we're trying to figure out how we're going to do it. Because I'm officiating weddings now. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, wow. People yeah, you love talked you. About that That's in your huge. Set. Oh, yeah, exactly. It is. Yes, I was, yes, yes. I was so shocked. Like, one, one of my good friends who, um, she's a story sister from Houston, but lives out here now. And met her boo out here, too. Um, they wanted to do something very non-traditional. Because it's like, you know, agnostic versus, um, not versus, but mar- uniting with a Southern Baptist. Mm. And, you know, you know, when you come to L.A., you just evolve. And you just open up. That's what I do love about L.A. Is that sure. I was the most... Um, open-minded in my crew in Houston, I come to LA, I was like, girl, you are prejudiced. What is wrong with you? You know, like you Mm -hmm. just really realize how many prejudgments and expectations and boundaries and barriers you put on other people unknowingly because that's just not your path. And when they're doing something different, you're like, what? So anywho, they asked me, I was like, hey, I got this because I got it like three years ago. I saw somebody saying like, you know, comedians are starting to officiate weddings. I was like, oh, I can do that because I've hosted a lot of stuff. And I'm one of those people like, I care. Like, your shit is going to be dope as fuck because I care. Like, I get upset when people mess up with certain things. I'll be like, come on, man. Practice, come on. You know what I mean? Like, get the, get your shit together. What is the problem? And I think that's from doing professional radio and hosting yeah. events. It's like... Get it together. So it's like a bad wedding speech. Oh my gosh. Like, come on. You 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 knew they were getting married. Put like, some time into put it. Put some time into it. Get your friends. If you're not get off the cuff, like write it down. Remember it. You know what I mean? Or use your phone. Like, you know, they use their phone. So I use my phone as the thing too, because we didn't have like a, a music stand. stand. Yeah, a music stand. They didn't want that. But um it was it was beautiful. And like her mom was a little worried because, you know, they're Southern Baptists. It was like, what y'all, what y'all doing? Y'all not even gonna have a pastor. And um, my mom, which I said the truth is funny. So like my mom, when I told her I was gonna marry, you know, Faith and Arnold, she said, What's wrong? They couldn't afford a pastor. And like, so I started that off with, you know, I started the wedding off with that, you know, like just, you yeah. just tell the truth and everybody started laughing. I was like, no, they, the couple wanted fun. They wanted this and that. So, um, I just kind of had like a pep talk with the the crowd, the guests. Cause I was like, you know, the, the husband Arnold's really into sports. So I was like, y'all made the draft pick. Okay. There's a lot of people that wanted to be here today to get this food, this open bar. They ain't get shit. They ain't get selected. You know, y'all are here. We're going to have a good time. And then brought them in, and you know, it was just like we cheered them on along. It was just, it was so, I was so fulfilled in That's ways great. that I didn't even realize. Like, this is so fulfilling. So now I'm hosting a, a wedding reception next month in Houston. So that's cool. Wow. Yeah. Who's, who's officiating your wedding? You know, so the boo and I, um, somebody at the wedding, the the Ross's wedding, was like, well, who's going to officiate your wedding? Because nobody's going to do it better than you. And I said, you're right. Good thing to think about. <laughs> 
because I would be upset. Um, so I don't know. We're we're thinking about like we we saw this thing like you can marry yourself, which is so funny. But we're we're trying to put together a show since he's a poet and actor. I'm a comedian, and mm. you know, like some kind of like show. But there's spiritual out because he's real spiritual. I am too. That you know, we have friends that you know can sign things, but incorporate them in some kind of way. We're we're putting the we're putting the show. We're in the the rewrite or the pre-show right now. Production meetings. Yeah, yeah, because we're figuring that out. Like I haven't seen any of the officiants that I would like, and then my girls, I want them in the wedding, not necessarily officiating it. Yeah, and then anybody. Yeah, so it's like we're both like, dang, we've just been brand brainstorming who can we incorporate but we're gonna do our own vows like I helped the couple write their vows too so that was funny like it was like because they wanted it to be fun and funny so you know but also serious so you know help both of them so they didn't know what was going on and so when they revealed it it was like oh so beautiful this is kind of a non sequitur but is it true that you were a universal tour guide that is absolutely true. Uh, Y'all was Googling me? What what had happened? No, Beth told me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Alexa. I love Alexa. Yeah, and she's real cool. Yes, I was the universal tour guide because I was so against getting a job. Like, I was like, I'm not trying to work. Um, but then it was You're like... Ma- you I made all my radio yeah. and oil and gas money. Yeah, I'm, no, for real. Like, then <laughs> that shit started. Like, the, right. the bank account and the way, you know... LA prices are, you're like, okay, so I need to earn income. And I was like, well, what's the thing that I can do, you know, that's going to be easiest and like, okay, just I'm talking and stuff. Universal tour guide. So I went to that audition, did that. Um, I was there pro- probably about four years. In the beginning, it was great because it was like, they really like let you do your auditions. Like I could go, like you do about three to four tours a day. And you know, I just get cool with everybody. So I would do three tours a day. And, um, Go do stand-up at night, and it was cool. Great practice, too, for stand-up. That's great. Yeah, it was great. And then, you know how it is when you're working other gigs? I was like, well, I'm talking about... Like, because my tour was funny. Whole thing was funny. Like, I give you information, give you a joke. Give you information, give you a joke. And I'm like, I'm doing this for three hours for them. And so I'm exhausted. I'm not doing it for myself. Then I was doing VIP tours, which you're walking on the lot for like six hours a day with the family, taking them to, you do the lot, like you're like, ooh, what the hell? You do the the lot for like two hours, you know, taking them in the sound stages, all that kind of stuff. And then you do the theme park. And it was, you know, it was in the beginning, again, it was cool. They would still let me go do my auditions, come back. You still get paid your eight hours, you know? Great. Great. But then the summer started getting hotter. Mm. They added the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, which made your day like so much longer. Like it was just a lot of different factors. I was like, girl, you are not 21 anymore. Like, <laughs> like for like it was just beating down on me. I was like, I was talking so much during the day, making great tips. Great tips. Cause I was just like, number one rule, we just don't have fun. You know? I'm not one of those that's like, these people them, that tour. Be quiet. Are you talking in the back? You know, we're in New York City right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's people yeah. like that. It's tour guides that are very like that. And I'm always like, aren't I you? I would have been like that. Really? But are you an <laughs> actor? Yeah, but I would have been like, let's get down to business. Yeah, we have to be flexible, open, yes, and yeah. whatever. I mean, these people pay like two, like at that time when I started, it was like maybe two hundred and fifty to three hundred. No, yeah, two fifty to come. I'm like, they don't want to um, hear stuff from me. Like, they don't like. I'm not giving you rules. Like, yeah. if you want to break off, that's cool. Like, I'm not gonna come look for you. You know what I mean? But if you want to stay together, that's cool too. You know, on the lot, and I don't care. I was like, I did not care. One time, best guest ever. It was a, a doctor that works at one of the hospitals, the ERs um, in the valley, like, you know, next to all the studios. This girl pulls out, I said, girl, grown woman, doctor, pulls out some medicinal marijuana. I was like, let me just walk to the side. She was like, yeah. I mean, they just had a good, like, I don't care. They're not yeah. paying me enough to care. Yeah. I just don't care. 
And so my tips would be so great, but we didn't do anything wrong, you know, in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> it usually around this time in an interview, we ask uh, our guests how what like what they did that helped them keep persisting to keep doing or change things oh, up. Oh. But it feels to me a little bit like you're like you you kind you're like a a, a yes and person and you go with the flow and you work really hard and Ooh. then you that's how on it a comes good day across. on a great day on great days yeah on most days yes and um, you know what it yes and to quote the old Kanye. <laughs> he almost yeah. made it. He almost made it come back with Coachella. He had me at the Coachella, but then I saw them Jesus walk socks for fifty dollars. But then I wasn't mad because Coachella tickets are five hundred dollars. But to quote the old Kanye, before I get off a of, um, <laughs> off topic, um, giving up is way harder than trying. He says that in one of his songs, giving up is way harder than just trying. Whoa. And it's like, oh, I love that. Yeah, it's so simple because I'm like, you know what? Okay, old Kanye, come back. Okay, uh, where are you, Yeezy? Um. <laughs> for my old Kanye heads, you know, that used to be in this. Anyway, but um, that's in the flashing lights. But what happened, you know what What, what carries me, what really carries me um, at Universal, not Universal Studios, where was it? A uh, Shell, a Shell. Um, I was working on oil and gas, making great money, like 21, making like $25 an hour damn near, you know, parking yeah. spot, you know, just hating my job because my job was, a, you know, to analyze bank statements for these, you know, for, for gas company, not gas companies, but for gas stations who want to get a line of credit. I don't care, you know, so they can have more fuel and everything. And there was a guy that worked next to me named Greg. I will never get this conversation with Greg. Greg was an accountant, worked there for years and years, um, put his kids through school, you know, and he was like, uh, cause I never told anybody at the radio station that I was doing, uh, uh, no, I never told people at Shell that I was interning at the radio station. I just kept things separate, you know, cause then people, you know, you just kept it separate. And then, but then the black people, cause it was, you know, pretty much black station, they would come by. Hey, wait, is that you? You know, and they started blowing my cover and everything. And so Greg one day, because I was, I was, I was really, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do if I was gonna take this, you know, because it was like you start at 60, 70,000 with a finance degree in oil and gas. Like that's that's easy, easy. And um, he was like, you know what? Um, he went to U of H as well. He was like, he used to play the trumpet, and he would play the trumpet all the time. He wanted to, you know, join a band, go around the world, blah, blah, blah. And he got married and then he had kids, but he just started paying the trump playing the trumpet less, putting more into accounting, getting a job, you know, just stop doing his art. And he always thought he was gonna get back to it and he didn't. And he was like, look, this is 20, 30 years at Shell and they're giving me papers now. Cause this was like right after 9-11 when oil and gas and everything just went like to hell, like everything just kind of crashed. And like they started, you know, you're not working at companies for 30 years and stuff anymore. He was like, these jobs are always gonna be available. Always, like that's what I tell my parents when they get nervous or worried or, you know, cause I get nervous and worried, but I'm like, I mean, we're, we're three ladies that can keep a damn job. Yeah. We got good sense. I mean, it's not hard to keep a job, but then you're working for somebody else's dream. So when I get down or when I get doubtful, I just think of Greg. I'm like, man, and I just, I just can't. Like, I've tried. I tried to do taxes. Like, when I came down here, I was like, that's going to be my day gig because I know how to do taxes. Got certified and everything for that. And um, I lasted, like, two days. There was, I, I mean, because I had to do, do it in Compton. Yeah. And that was an interesting experience. I was getting cussed out. People thought I had their money. I was like, no, 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 no. Then I had an audition the next day. And I was like, oh, you're going to do this audition. You're not coming back out here for that. That's not even the energy you want to be in. So yeah. um, I just try to try to always remember that, like, all these 
quote unquote safe because what is safe? Reliable, what is reliable? Of course, there's things that are, of course, more reliable than acting and comedy and stuff. But um, I mean, I just try to keep betting on myself. Sometimes I feel like I've wasted a lot of years here in LA, but it was like my friend told me last night, no, you're just getting seasoned. Cause I was like finally going to therapy, getting in a relationship. Cause in my twenties, it was all about business, 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 business. And I'm like, your business don't hold you at night. You know, like, <laughs> it, you, you know, like that's, this is not going to hold you at night. And it's, it's fickle. Everything is. So, um, and yeah. it is nice in this business to have someone who holds you at night yeah, or even holds your hand during the day right. in life, you know, <laughs> of course, of course in, in life. life, you know, it's so, and just building, you know, taking care of self. Like one of my other homegirls who's um, in the industry, she did radio for years and she does a lot of really cool stuff. She was like, girl, ain't none of it, but she's from LA. And then I met her in Houston. She's like, ain't none of this stuff going anywhere. Now, of course yeah. there's windows of opportunities that you can't, you know, you should seize and kind of build off of. Sometimes I have, some of them I have not. Right. Um, you just Life. keep persisting. Yeah. With the persist. Yeah. Nate, thank you yeah. so much. Thank oh. you. Oh. You were amazing. Thank you. I enjoyed talking to y'all. Y'all, like, the show was so dope. I was like, man. That, I mean, it was just a fun, good night. I was like, I was doing material that I hadn't even done. I was like, oh, wow. Like, a lot just came out that night. I loved everybody. I loved what y'all are doing. And it was for a good cause. Like, that's, I was like, this is really, really dope. It was a great show. It was a really great show. Also, I watched Brene Brown last night, and she (sighs) talked about um, what you talked about at the beginning of your set, which was that hire people that don't look like you Oh yeah, you know she's from Houston, right? Yes. H Town, just so you know. Mm-hmm. And it was, and it was just like a simple fact, like you make your company better yeah. by diversifying it, and also you'll just have a better experience, everybody. Right. But then the outcome, your business outcome, is going to be stronger because it's going to represent a larger community of people, right? Which I mean, I understand. You know, people want to work with people that they know they like and all of that. You know, um, dependable, have some type of references. But literally, America is a big like people say melting pot. Like it's a big toss salad of like all kind of cultures and people. And instead of everybody talk like instead of talking at the issue, yes, and we're gonna help this and that. Like, build your own company up like that. It's so much easier to look at two people and say, you know what? They have the same. Who do you like better? Or how can this different insight maybe help me? You know, just like they would say with, like, a writer's room and a newsroom and things like that. In order to get different stories, you need women, black people, white people, Mexican, Asian. You need everybody. You literally need a little bit of everybody so then you don't have group think. You just need to not have group think, which I think that's also been a reason like I was good in a sorority and different things like that. Cause I'm always like, ah, I don't know. Like I'll let me give you this other opinion to just to consider. We don't always have to accept it, but uh group think is I think that is so dangerous. I've never heard of group think before. Really? Yeah, it's like everybody that's together having the same same thought. Like yeah. I think I heard, yeah, that's all that business, you know, like who ate my cheese or who moved my cheese. Like I read like all those different type of books and um, what was it? Like 1984, George Orwell and you know, stuff like that. Like group think like, you know, you get everybody just thinking the same way. You're going to have the same. Man. (laughs) Like Scientology or Herbalife. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Hey, I I went there for a second, right? You did. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's always something that's very attractive about a pill that can just make you skinny. And then you're just like, Wait, no. If they had that pill, Oprah would have had it by now. 
And that's yeah, what I exactly. have to keep reminding myself. Oh, that's and a she really did good. It. Yeah, yeah. She didn't. Like, I'd be like, it's not going to work. It's, it's coffee. It's caffeine pills. So, you know, right. it's protein powder. Just eat some protein that you really, really like, you know? I mean, I have protein powder now, but I got ones that I like. And just, you know, it's so many, whatever. It's so annoying. If Oprah hasn't done it, don't do it. Don't it do just it. don't do it. She has enough money to conquer it. I mean. Nate. I think mm. we need to just take some caffeine pills and go out <laughs> on the town. I agree. Yeah. Have a good time. Go do, get some dresses. We got to get your dress. Do clubs, yes. as Nate says. Do oh, clubs. Oh, gosh. For more money. Thank you so Thank much, you. Nate. Thank y'all for having me. I really appreciate it. This is a fun. This fun it's not as if New York City burned down to the ground once you drove away.